0: What goes into your car? As new minerals are rapidly making their way into our everyday life, we're increasingly concerned about the footprint of the materials that underpin our modern lifestyles. The fungibility of natural resources has helped some business players hide behind the complexity of global supply chains. To shed light on one of the most obscure commodities, Join me as I pull back the curtain on the supply chain of cobalt. From deep underground all the way to your driveway. I'm your host, Osa and this is High Grade. This is High Grade. <laughs>
1: Make responsible sourcing a standard and not a standalone product that comes with a higher price tag. If we're going to have a green transition, we also have to have a just transition. Consumers can push and should push. It's not about looking away, but about engaging with the local actors. This is where I get quite passionate. Too few are doing anything about it.
0: Welcome to High Grade and this podcast series on the responsible sourcing of minerals. Over the last four episodes, we have looked at the main production steps in the supply chain of cobalt, a metal necessary for high-performing batteries, and as such, key to support a transition to a future free of fossil fuels. Today, in our final stop, we explore the role of regulators in responsible sourcing. As the public grows increasingly concerned about the human and environmental cost of the products they buy, how should policymakers respond? My guest today joins me from the German Federal Ministry for Economic Cooperation and Development, BMZ. Heike Hen is Director for Climate, Energy and Environment. Heike, welcome and thank you for joining the Natural Resources podcast. Germany is mostly a consumer rather than a producer of minerals and metals. Why is responsible sourcing important for Germany?
1: Yeah, that is really a key question, and uh, um, this is signified by um, our role as uh, one of the leading producers of technology and an export nation. And uh, this uh, makes us one of uh, also the world's largest consumers uh, of raw materials. And uh, we definitely know that the demand will increase um, while we aim uh, to decarbonize uh, our economy. And the energy transition and the mobility transition really needs uh, a lot of uh, raw materials. And uh, I must also say um, that public interest and awareness um, on origin of goods, uh, working conditions, is uh, getting more attention from the German uh, public. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are also working on on the circular economy to ensure an efficient uh, use of raw materials But uh, we know from studies, and uh, if if we just look at the figures right now, Mm. that uh, this will take time and the demand is increasing and we depend on the import of primary raw materials. And uh, me representing BMZ, uh, the Ministry for Economic Cooperation and Development, we are therefore very aware that uh, the lion's share of the raw materials is mined in developing countries in the global south. And... uh, Therefore, um, addressing the challenges of responsible sourcing is really key not only to the German economy, but also uh, to us in BMZ.
0: And what does responsible sourcing actually mean to you? Responsible sourcing means
1: to know more about um, where the um, raw materials come from, mm. um, who um, is participating, uh, what is the standard of labor, the working conditions, the safety of workers. So uh, environmental um, impacts of um, um, the mining Hmm. and uh, to have transparency um, to all these uh, criteria Hmm. and uh, also to be able to identify from which sources, um, because uh, um, this is sometimes mixed uh, and not transparent,
0: Mm. And you mentioned that consumers are becoming more and more aware of this. Is it a small group of consumers that are are, are aware of this or is it a more general feeling that we need to take responsibility for our consumption? It's definitely a growing number um,
1: and it's growing specifically the awareness in the younger generation But also in the general public, Um, I mean, since uh, I was still at school, um, Mm -hmm. I started um, being quite conscious. And this is 40 years ago. Sorry to give the number. But (laughs) and if I compare um, um, the times that I now have everyday conversation about these issues, um, Mm -hmm. about the products everybody is using,
0: it's evident um, that it's a growing number. Yeah. From mining to then end products, there are numerous links in the supply chain and each step carries risks and opportunities. Uh, what would you say is the role of regulations in responsible mineral supply chains?
1: Yeah, thank you for this question. The role of regulations is a hot topic in conversations, um, definitely. Um, and for some years now, we have this public debate um, on raw material consumption and the negative consequences and also uh, some heated discussions if we need more regulations or not. But from my perspective, uh, there's definitely uh, a growing consensus on the need for regulations and a growing acceptance also in in the private sector. Even, I would say, uh, many companies nowadays call for regulations because um, they they want... uh, a level playing field, but also um, some security on uh, what to plan for and uh, some just clarity on on the way ahead. And uh, um, this is certainly true for our debate in Germany. Um, but uh, I mentioned before we are an export nation, and therefore also the global perspective for private companies and the debate is important and uh, regulations. Uh, um, for
0: all countries. Now, I want to move on now and look a little bit uh, on the issues and what is happening on the ground and in the supply chains. Um, and take cobalt for example. Uh, what are the typical ESG, so environmental, social, and governance problems in the supply chain?
1: Yeah, there are quite uh, quite a number of, of problems. Uh, while cobalt is really an essential mineral used for uh, lithium-ion batteries um, and batteries that we use in everyday life. Um, I mean, we are using them right now while we speak, (laughs) Um, but also in electric cars um, and like in other uh, instances, uh, we see a huge growth in in cobalt. So talking about the ESG problems is really important. Mm. And we know that uh, 70% of uh, world's cobalt is produced in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Um, that I know also from personal experience, and there we see um, that most of the cobalt is produced by large-scale mining, but a significant share also comes from artisanal and small-scale mining. Um, At least over the past 10 years, it it was around 10% in the DRC um, uh, attributed to artisanal and small-scale mining. And uh, this is good in the sense that uh, uh, many people find employment in the mining sector. um, But also um, the sector specifically faces uh, uh, due diligence risk in the supply chain uh, with uh, huge environmental damages, social issues and also um, deficiencies in occupational health and safety and uh, corruption and talking about the DRC. Certainly, also, it plays a role in the conflict economy. One one area that we are specifically looking at um, is child labor and severe human rights violation um, in uh, 2021. It was found in 30 percent of the small scale cobalt mines mm-hmm. uh, surveyed in a study done uh, by the Federal Institute for Geoscience and Natural Resources in Germany. Mm. And uh, certainly also the health and safety risks Um, in these small mines. uh, I mean, I I had the chance or opportunity to visit uh, some of them in the DRC. Um, It's particularly risky for workers in the artisanal setting. Uh, There's a lack of uh, protective equipment. Um, The mines uh, are collapsing. Um, so, So they're really a number uh, of risk-attached
0: and ESG problems that we need to address. Is it possible to say where the cobalt is coming from, if if it's from ASM, if it's from LSM? Yeah, no, uh, uh, it's spot on and a tricky question um, because the
1: local supply chain um, of specifically the the small-scale uh, cobalt mines or, um, and the processing refineries, these are really complex and very difficult to trace. And, and we can see um, that national governments are taking action uh, to strengthen the oversight of the sector. And, uh, and also in the DRC, we see progress um, with the recently established state enterprise the Enterprise General du Cobalt, um, uh, its, its task with purchasing, processing and selling um, the ASM product uh, produced cobalt, mm. uh, this um, will bring progress from our perspective uh, for um, a demand of at least minimum standards. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, Crucial to due diligence in supply chains are refineries um, as choke points between the upstream and the downstream supply chain um, because it's really uh, evident that the material is mixed with uh, industrially mined ore and uh, the share of artisanal material is not uh, indicated uh, separately and therefore uh, tracing
0: cobalt to its origin uh, is and I guess will be extremely difficult. As you say, it's a very difficult task and and it takes a lot from the companies to do these types of due diligence Um, and presumably making sure that companies only source responsible raw materials will come with a cost. Should this additional cost be passed on to consumers? Uh, You're absolutely right. Um, uh, Higher standards come with a
1: cost. Mm. The deficiency I mentioned, we need more uh, better protective gear, using more advanced technical equipment, um, and uh, currently upstream actors in producing countries carry the major burden of the additional costs. And uh, uh, from my perspective, uh, we need to find ways to distribute additional costs uh, for certified minerals uh, fairly along the whole supply chain. Um, But having said that, uh, still, from my perspective, the biggest part should be shared between the
0: end producers and the consumers. Do you think that the German um, public would accept that? Yes, I mean, uh, we we
1: try to approach this uh, difficult question uh, from the angle of putting concrete numbers Mm. to what additional costs could mean. For example, look at at the cost of uh, an electric car. Um, Mm. Responsible sourcing of uh, raw materials uh, will add
0: uh, uh, a low percentage, uh, well below 10% of the the end price. Mm. So you don't see that it will slow down the transition from fossil fuels to uh, electric vehicles? No. That's perfect. We love short answers. (laughs) You are listening to a high-grade podcast series on responsible sourcing. From mine to final product, we dive deep into the supply chain of cobalt, a metal tarnished by the footprint of its production. As we reach the end of the series, today we are considering the role of policymakers. I'm talking with Heike Hen, director at the German Ministry for Economic Cooperation and Development. I want to move on and look at the approaches of German development corporations to solve these issues. Um, And let's consider policy in practice. Um, For example, how does the German development corporation encourage responsible sourcing and production? Yeah, I I would like to follow up on the point on regulation uh, that you
1: were asking me before. um, Because a very important milestone, and we are very proud of it as well, Um, is the German supply chain due diligence law, um, which BMZ has strongly pushed for and uh, which came into life in 2021. And uh, this is really a part of our approach of a smart mix of uh, regulations and also uh, voluntary uh, um, initiatives um, from different actors in the field. Because we think we need both um, mandatory regulation and voluntary initiatives. Um, we need bilateral and multilateral institutions to get engaged and also definitely multi-stakeholder initiatives. And uh, in this sense, um, we as development corporation, we um, engage in bilateral and regional projects. We want to enable resource-rich countries uh, to maximize their benefits also from their resource wealth because our perspective is always also the development perspective. Yes, we are interested in what we do as an export nation, but we we want to see um, development gains for the, for example, uh, for the Democratic Republic of the Congo. And therefore, in the DRC, for example, we we try to uh, support the DRC in improving the oversight functions in the mining sector and uh, in, in other instances uh, we are also cooperating uh, uh, with the help of the gsz for example, with the artisanal small uh, scale mining cooperatives in the DRC to uh, facilitate uh, their access to global supply chains and also having uh, more transparency for those cooperatives that we are working with when they enter the supply chain. And I must say also, being the commissioner for climate policy and climate finance, Mm. that uh, climate action is for us uh, also an important part of responsible supply chains. And therefore, talking about multilateral instruments, um, we cooperating with the World Bank, for example, for a climate smart uh, mining facility. And um, my last um point I would like to highlight is also the gender perspective. Um, because we have not only child labor but also the gender equality in mines, but also along the supply chain is a key priority for us. We want to strengthen the position of women and girls in supply chains and the extractive communities. Mm. And we uh, try to forge also uh, multi-stakeholder partnerships with uh, women rights and mining um, and support the design and implementation of the gender strategy. uh, For example, in the Colombian Ministry of Mines and Energy. Um, So this is also, I think, an important angle um, that we try to
0: support. Ultimately, it is the manufacturing sector that needs the raw materials for their products. So how do you work with the German industry?
1: Yeah, um, we try to work with different uh, uh, avenues. I mean, pushing for the regulation and the law yeah. was not an easy a conversation with uh, uh, the German industry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, we also uh, uh, try uh, to support the industry and not only to push it um, with the regulation and uh, um, provide different formats uh, for guidance on due diligence and capacity development. Uh, for example, with the German UN Global Compact Network, um, we have ini- initiated a couple of uh, so-called sector dialogues uh, between companies, but also civil society and other relevant stakeholders uh, on human rights challenges, because we also have the experience that we, if we get the different actors together... And have the discussion on very concrete uh, supply chains that makes the discussion more concrete, but also easier. Uh, and uh, the positions of the different stakeholders and the necessary solutions we have to find um, Uh, will be easier in this uh, multi-stakeholder partnerships. Another example is just the European Partnership for Responsible Minerals. Um, Mm. uh, It supports responsible production and sourcing of minerals uh, through uh, pilot projects, for example, and also quite practical tools uh, for companies uh, to implement the due diligence requirements. Mm. And just the last example I would like to uh, highlight is um, also on a European level, uh, the Network for Corporate Sustainability and Responsibility, CSR Europe. Uh, With this network, we have established uh, networks in the DRC in South Africa in the mining sectors,
0: there are some other economic sectors that have confronted the challenges of responsible sourcing for quite some time. Think of fair trade coffee, for example. Uh, what can the extractive industry learn from these experiences? Yeah, the initiatives for fair
1: trade coffee or textiles have really come a long way. I'm not into coffee, but uh, they exist for tea as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, there is an increasing uh, consumer demand Um for fair products in these sectors. Um, and we have been also very actively engaged in this field and specifically uh, in the area of textiles in the last couple of years, uh, we we have promoted some initiatives and have, have uh, quite some experience there. Also, again, with multi-stakeholder approaches. And I think this is one of the lessons learned. Yeah. Um, but to be honest the the, the sector um of uh, the extractives is a bit more complicated um but the finished uh, product that that uh, is in itself a combination of a couple of uh, raw materials and maybe has other um, sustainability challenges as well. And for from the consumer's perspective, it's really uh, difficult or rather impossible to keep an overview of the origin of all the raw materials. Uh, for coffee, I look at the shelf and I see uh, the, the country of origin. Uh, I find a certain label Um but uh, after the very uh, uh, considerate questions you asked me about uh, cobalt and supply chains, I guess that the listeners already have an idea how complex uh, the mineral supply chains really are and that transparency and traceability remain really key challenges. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> therefore, we think we have to approach it really from the consumer angle, having more labels, so on and so forth, but also support our partner countries in implementing the regulations and initiatives mm. that then will establish responsible mining practices on the ground where it matters most. Naki,
0: thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Asa. It's been a pleasure. And thank you for joining our Natural Resources podcast series on responsible sourcing of minerals. I would also like to extend my appreciation to all my guests over this five-episode journey, starting at an artisanal mine in DRC and through the logistic operations of commodity traders, the making of batteries and the electric vehicles they power, and finally, as discussed today, the fundamental role of policymaking. Manufacturing powerhouses such as Germany often rely on the import of raw materials. Responses from regulators now need to combine both security of supply with an increasing expectation from end consumer for cleaner, greener and more humane supply chains. All episodes in this series are available at your preferred podcast platform. And remember that you can also access our podcasts and videos at highgrade.media. And that is all from me for now. I will be back with new and exciting material very soon. Until then, so long.